Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Some country. Uh-huh. Oh, hey, Cecil. Hey. <laughs> He's back, How everybody. Woo. How you doing? How are you, Cecil? Fair to Midland. Fair to Midland. Uh-huh. See, I'm learning Southern phrases now, uh. Cecil, so I get it. That's like, okay. You're doing all right. Yeah, that's uh, back in the day, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was how you grade cotton. Okay. Uh-huh. Is it really? Uh-huh. Fair, oh. Fair to Midland. Oh. That means so what's Midland mean? I'm not quite sure. Huh. It just means you, you all right. It's right there in the meaty part of the curve. All right. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> well, you're walking with a limp. Are you all right? Well, I fell down again. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh-huh. I understand that. That's right. I fall. I fell at the bottom of the stairs. Oh my god. I thought there's there fifteen, there's only fourteen. Yeah. I went to take that last step and you know how when you go to take a step and there ain't no step to take? Yeah. Just tumble. Oh, a big tumble. Uh-huh. Okay. Damn boots fell off. Oh wait, off of your feet? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's how big the tumble was? Yeah. Damn I don't even uh, know if that's possible. Damn Wolverine boots went flying across the hallway. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. Well, um, hurt my pride more than anything. I guess so. That's all right, though. Well, good. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm so glad. Uh-huh. It's actually good to see you, which well, is weird, because really? I, I like you, but sometimes, you uh-huh. know, a little much. A little much. Well, I don't have that effect on most people, so I take it. Okay. I wow. take what I can get. Okay. Oh, you're just walking away. Yeah, okay. Wow. Time just for lunch. Not even a, not even a goodbye? Uh-huh. Okay. What you do with my hot dogs? Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. What? No, not again. Please. I can't. I'm trying to get my summer bod on fleek. No hot dogs, buddy. (laughs) Microwave something. Yeah. It's Uh. just. Hey, Boo. Boo, hello. What's going on? Boo, let me tell you, it's great to see you. Yeah. I'm so glad. This has been a dream. I've had a wonderful day so far. Yeah. I've gone to my favorite place. I've gone to church. You went to church? I'm back to church. On a Monday? On a Monday. The church of Barry's Boot Camp. And let me tell you, my arms and abs rejoiced. Really? Because that's what we worked on today. And God damn it, I'm back. (laughs) Don't get upset. Sorry about that. I'm (gasps) pumped. I'm excited. It's the endorphins is what it is. Because, you know, I've been in a little slump. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. But listen. What'd y'all do today at Barry's? Okay, so we did hammer curls, but then you did those. Okay, so hammer curls, and you bring them up to your shoulders, but as you're bringing them up, you turn them. Okay. Toward your wrists towards your body, so it's like this double, like, ugh. Okay. And then we we did sprints, one-minute sprints on the treadmill, and it was just, oh, we did abs, and it's Pride Month. Yeah. 
So it is just decked out with all pride things. Yeah. And there's even a challenge. There's a challenge going on right now. Oh, yeah? Guys, I love a challenge. Is this where you win a sweatshirt or something if you go X amount of times? Okay, so it started June 1st for pride. However, if you do 20 classes in the month of June, Uh which seems like a lot because it's June 11th right now or whatever it is, uh, you get a sweatshirt. There you go. But if you do 10, which is what they advised for me, which is really sad. You got to ease your way back into it. Get like a water bottle. But I want the sweatshirt. Uh I want a big berry sweatshirt. Don't you have that already? Yeah. Okay, you want another one. I want one that I earned, though, you know, through sweat and tears. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just riding the high. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back home. It's so good to have you home. Just been chilling. I've been doing much this week. Yeah, you. Well, you actually have. You've been on podcasts. You've been doing so much stuff. Yeah, I've been doing a bunch of podcasts. Wow. How's it going? I'm well. I'm well. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah, things are good. Oh, good. Things are good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, it's so good to have you back. Because let me tell you, I I didn't realize how much I missed you. Oh, yeah? And uh, let me tell you, Boo, I know we've talked about this, but, uh, whew. It is good to have you home. You don't realize what you have till it's gone. It's so true. I'm such an a-hole, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. What are you talking about? I, you know, I, I, I'm hard to live with, yeah. guys. I'm no, I'm no peach. I'm a, I'm an ADHD nightmare. But I appreciate you. No, you're easy to live with. Just it's sometimes <laughs> I have to find what you did with my salt and pepper. Well, it's in, it's in the nightstand. It's always weird. When I'm like, where's my garlic powder? Oh, let me check the bedroom. <laughs> I think I, you're right. I need spices in the bedroom mm-hmm. for myself. Yeah. That's a great solution. We need to spice it up in there. I'm going to spice it up. <laughs> Not for, you know, sex, for food. Literally. Yeah. I have a, I have a bedroom spoon mm-hmm. that I keep clean. <laughs> I also have a bedroom fork, a bedroom straw, mm-hmm. and bedroom salt. But you're right. It's weird. I understand, but bed people understand me. Have you always been a fan of eating in bed? Yeah, of hmm. course. I was, what are you talking about? I was raised by wolves. I was always eating everywhere. Just kind of shoving food in and going away. Mm-hmm. Food is just put it in your face and keep walking. No good? That's okay. Okay. It's, it's right. listen, uh-huh. not my passion. It's not your passion. Food is not my passion. Well, you could have fooled me with the <laughs> amount of spices in the bedroom. Well, that's the thing. You could take anything. Did mm. you know that you could take anything and put spices on it and boom, you got a meal. That's what I'm learning from when you leave. <laughs> um, that and I just can't do delivery. I think there needs to be an intervention. Yeah. Uh, it's just too much. We've been trying to cut back on that. It's really hard. I don't mind the occasional takeout delivery. It's the, um, you have a tendency <laughs> to order dessert delivered (laughs) and that just seems too decadent it it is it is and i don't when i'm at the store Mm -hmm. it's almost like i'm putting up a healthy front okay you know i'm i'm in the grocery store i'm in the streets Uh i'm just there looking for my fruits and my vegetables but then you know and you've noticed it when Mm -hmm. you come with me to the grocery store you actually use, do all the grocery shopping. But when I attend, uh-huh. uh, you know, you'll say, hey, 
you should get something sweet. Because mm-hmm. I know you're going to want it. And I'm like, no, 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 oh, sir. Yeah. I'm getting healthy and no sugar. And yeah. then midnight uh, strikes and uh, I must have sugar. <laughs> anyway, boo, that was my five minutes. You have to take over. You oh, have to yeah. catch up. You have to share me your deepest, darkest thoughts. Go. Oh, Lord. I'm going to begin. <laughs> <laughs> No, not much going on. Just taking it easy this week, laying low. Yeah, Getting you you to went to a routine. nice little grill. You grilled out. Yeah, I grilled out with a buddy <laughs> the other day. You've been really like into the boy hangouts. Yeah, it's been a lot of dude hangs lately. How's it going? It's good. Just catching up with some buds. I love it. You know, like I realize because all my friends are in the same line of work as me. Yeah. Uh, so you know we're we're always on the road here and there. So. Then you wake up one day and you realize, like, oh, I haven't seen Billy in four months. Yeah. So then, you know, go hang out with Billy. And then it's like, oh, I haven't seen Fritz in a long time. Let's see what's going on with Fritz. Billy invited me over uh, for a little lunch business cookout. Where oh, we're right. It was at Billy. Working, okay. on, working on some stuff. Oh, good. Uh, that, you know, I'll, I'll get into later. But, uh, yeah, he invited me. For, he's like, hey, come over. We'll, we'll throw some stuff on the grill. Dave's uh, like, what time? Where? For lunch. Yeah. Say no more. <laughs> You had me at uh, grill. But uh, just to be polite, I was like, hey, what should I bring? And then he was like, I don't know, some burgers. <laughs> so I was like, oh, the, the main thing. Usually well, when somebody invites you over to cook out, you know, it's like, well, I'll bring some soda, some beer, some chips. But he was like, hey, bring the main thing. Yeah, bring it. He, he said he had plenty of corn and avocados. Huh. And I was like, well, that's not really the You can foundation. grill avocados? Yeah. yeah you, I've I mean, never really had a grilled avocado. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Seems fun. I imagine you could throw it on there for a little bit, get a little char on there. Yeah. Keep it in the skin so Guacamole. it doesn't melt, yeah. you know. Huh. But yeah, I just always find that funny. And I, Billy's a dear friend, and he's a great yeah, guy. He's great. But he's uh he's not, one of my, he's not one of my food buddies. Okay. In that, you know, he doesn't have the passion for it as I, uh, that I have. And uh, which is evident when he invites you to a cookout and then asks you to bring the meat. That's odd. Now, I'm not a meat person. Um, yes, I am. What am I talking about? But I don't really go to like bar. Like, it's not like, a, oh, a friend is inviting me to grill uh-huh. out. Right. It's yeah. usually let's go to Target or Starbucks and, you know, have a kiki. Yeah. So you are just calling to be like, hey, can I bring... Some soda or Yeah, it's like, what can I bring? He's like, (laughs) But he took that open. (laughs) Can't leave an open thing for Billy. (laughs) That's just, I don't know. I always get a kick out of that one. That's amazing. But uh, no, we had a good time. Good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just uh, goofing off. Yeah. Good to be back. Just watching my Braves. How are they doing? They're doing pretty well. They won seven in a row till last night, then they got beat. But uh, oh boy, they've been doing good. Still That's f- why I heard you crying. Yeah, in the <laughs> they've been in uh, first place the whole season. So. That's amazing. Things are good on that front. Hey, how's Acuna? Acuna's great. Good. It's, uh, good. M- MVP of the season so far. The season ended today. He'd be unanimous MVP. The MVP. guy's insane. Hello, it's MVP. It's incredible. Get out of here. But yeah. Get out of here, MVP. But yeah, just That's hanging. the only person I know from the Braves, by the way, <laughs> is Acuna. Now nah, you know some more. I'm sure you can. Acuna, could. Smith. No, there's no Johnson. Smith. No, no Johnson. Chill. No. Re- <laughs> oh, I, oh, you know what? I do know. Who? Uh, Fr- Freebird. Freeman? Freeman. Yeah, he's no longer with the Braves. Yeah. He's with the Dodgers. Well, you know what? I don't yeah. know, boo. That's I, all right. I can't be everything. Yeah, that's right. I can't be everything. That's no, fine. 
It's fine. <laughs> I like that you have food friends and mm-hmm. different tiers of them. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still in search. Uh, I got spoiled with Wes being in town a few weeks ago. Yeah. But uh, is that your number one food friend? Yeah, I think Wes is my number one food buddy. I get that. Um, I don't. I don't even know who's number two. Like I've complained really? about this before, but you know, oh. all my friends that you know they got great qualities, or else they wouldn't be my friends. But uh, they're all kind of well, slacking. At least they're the, living slacking in the culinary department. <laughs> well, you have some dead friends. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh-huh. I do. My mom and dad. Okay. Is that? Oh, boy. See, I went there again. I just, you know what? I'm changing Uh it, though. And guess what? I have Charlie. I have you. You're alive. So, boom. You had a big week. Uh, You had a big event the other day. Uh, I didn't ask you if you wanted to talk about this or not. We don't have to. No, I'm good. If you want to. I can. Or we can talk about it later. I'm just putting you on the spot, but. I like it. On a personal level, this is pretty big news. Um, For the first time in about. I think it's been three years. Um, I actually met up with my older sister. Wow. And it was, I was so nervous. I felt like I was going to vomit and die. Um, Just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of family stuff there. Yeah, we don't have to rehash all the context. I don't want to go into it that much. There's been a tumultuous history. Yeah. But look at you. You, You're uh, moving forward. Yeah. And putting things in the past and... uh, yeah, that's um, seriously, that's something to be commended. Uh oh. Oh, saved dear. by the bell. Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. Oh my gosh. The well, I will just finish. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, just I'll I'll uh-huh. go ahead and do the amended version. Um, we went to this place called La Boheme. Okay. Uh, my sister was in town and she was inviting me places, and I was really nervous. And my anxiety's been crazy. Mm-hmm. I will say that. My anxiety's been off the rails lately. And I thought to myself, you know what? I need this too. I haven't seen her mm-hmm. um, uh, pre my dad passing. Mm-hmm. And so I I just thought, okay, it's, it's good. So I went in. And I know we discussed boundaries last week. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time with boundaries. And I, I think we both do, my sister and I. Mm-hmm. And... With siblings, it's hard because you both, y'all came from the same place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have so much love for her that I didn't realize was all cooped up in my heart. And when I saw her, it was just like, oh, right. Like, it's, there's just a connection when you have a sibling. And it's like your war buddies. You know what I mean? Uh It's like you went through it together. Not that our childhood was horrid, mm-hmm. but my and my sister is much older than me. She was eight years older, is, um, so it it's just it was really special, and I really had to put my pride aside because I can create. Um, Doctor Julie therapist says that I really do a good job of being a collector of evidence. Okay. I think this person is this way, so now I'm going to find evidence for it. And here's some evidence, and here's some evidence, and here's some evidence. And that's not good for me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what happened. Uh, yes, I need to abide by my boundaries, but I also I want to lead my life with love. Mm-hmm. And I really want to open my heart and not have it be callous and, and dark. 
It's great, boo. And I'm really trying, but it takes a lot of mindfulness. It takes a lot of things. And But I, for the first time, I had a, a hangout with my sister where we talked about no drama. There was nothing other than like, let's go to Express. We went to the Beverly Center. Yeah. We were talking about candles. I had fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for the future. Good. So I'm, I'm excited. And that was a, that was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was special. And I walked home from the, the Beverly center cause I needed my time. And then I sweated a lot yeah. because Beverly center is far yeah. from and, us. And it's uphill. It's all uphill. Coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I know I should have taken a ride home, but I was like, nope. I need to have some quiet time. Yeah. But yeah, it was really cool. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is growing up, you know. I don't want to hold resentment in my heart. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to have amnesia, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to, you know, close somebody out because I'm holding a grudge. Good for you, boo. You know? Good for you. I'm trying. That's really great. I'm trying. Yeah. So yeah, that was my big day. Oh, and I saw my friend Jameson from Second City yeah. and it was adorable. He is uh he is on series serious serious FM uh, XM. XM. Mm-hmm. He's on a show with Jeff Lewis who I love. Oh, yeah? Uh yeah, and he's really great and just hilarious and just an adorable human. So it was good to run into him. And yeah. Well, that's cool. Buddy. It was really cool. Good for a, you. I had a nice little Saturday. Pretty no nice Bed, Bath, and Beyond because yeah. they're closing. Don't know if we'll have enough time. Wah, wah. Are they closing? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's all that beyond. I know. It's a beyond. It's mm-hmm. too much. Yes, it's too that, broad of a the scope. The ceilings are so high mm-hmm. as well. It just feels, you know, I have some notes about yeah. that, but let's not get into that now. I do like that store. Well. They have pretty good kitchen stuff. They do, but rest yeah. in peace, boo. You mm. got to go to Target now yeah. or somewhere else. I don't know. Walmart? What's a fancy place, uh? Sur la table. Ooh, sur la table. Good. I always get nervous in there. Yeah. Because I don't want to break anything. Mm-hmm. It's so nerve-wracking. A $600 frying pan. Okay, so is it worth it? Is a $600 frying pan worth it? I mean, I just made that up. I, I don't know if I've seen a $600 frying pan. I have seen the $600 set. Okay. You, know, you get two or three pans and two Whoa. or three pots. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like, I like nice cookware, but uh, yeah, some of that I feel like it's... It's a little much. Yeah. It's a little much. I, I feel that way with sheets, too. It's like, mm. all right, sheets. Yeah. How do I know this yeah. is how many counts? Yeah, who's counting? Yeah, who is counting? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Good that's, Lord. That's how they get you. <laughs> well, good for you, boo. I'm glad <laughs> you had a you. good uh, day date with your sister. It was great. Uh, despite all the uh, turmoil that uh, you guys have been through together. Yeah. Uh, and I've made my feelings known on that situation in the past. But uh, I, I support you. Whatever you do, I, I back your play. Well, and you know, it does go into our topic today. What's our topic today? Okay. So, I am so excited to do this. Um, it is called the Ameshed <laughs> Family System. Okay. Have you heard, what does Ameshment mean to you? Is that kind of like, uh, is that kind of a synonym for immersive? Like mm-hmm. you're just in it? You, you place yourself in a situation? Yes, like, I imagine it like two hands coming together 
and then holding on and gripping. Okay. Like you're just holding like on and joined. it's just, yeah, it's like a joined thing. So think of a Venn diagram, mm-hmm. but then it's just all the both circles just come together. Oh, okay. Basically one circle. Yes. So it's just, it goes from two to one. So gotcha. you, it's codependency. Okay. It's, it's, um, and it's hard because it's really confusing enmeshment because I have such a hard time because I'm like, well, families are families. Like mm-hmm. growing up, you kind of have to be a mesh, no? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you know, I was obviously raised in an enmeshed family and it was due to my mom being sick when, you know, I was five and then my sister and my sister getting sick. And anyway, enmeshment happens out of trauma usually, uh-huh. but sometimes it could just be built in the family. Okay. So what does that mean? There are no emotional or physical boundaries. We're all in it together. When you're enmeshed with someone, there's yep. no when you're boundaries? Enmeshed. Yes, wow. you're enmeshed in now, your, you that know. doesn't seem healthy. Nope. Is, is enmeshment a good thing or a bad thing? It's bad. Okay. It's real bad. Yeah, because you got well, that's what we talked about last week. You gotta have boundaries. Yep. So you gotta have boundaries. But this is uh, you know, you're if you're raised if the blueprint is, hey, everyone knows everything, mm-hmm. you call, you know, if your mom is calling your aunt every day and telling her everything and gossiping or whatever, you you grow up with that. So you're like, Oh, that's normal. Yeah. That's how I want that's how you're supposed to be. Okay. You know, um, you feel responsible for other people's happiness and well-being. You're guilted or shamed if you want less contact. Uh, That's a big one. Okay. Your parents' self-worth seems to hinge on your success or lack of success. It's a big one. Yeah, big one. It's not healthy. Um, your parents' lives center around yours. That That didn't happen to me, but... Listen, good for you guys. That sounds like a nice love. Your parents don't encourage you to follow your dreams and may impose their ideas on what you should be doing. Uh, Family members overshare personal experiences and feelings. Uh, You feel that you have to meet your family's expectations. And you avoid conflicts at all costs and don't know how to say no. Hmm. So usually this person or... You know, we find people that kind of emulate our family, right, in our adult lives. We do this. We're naturally drawn to it. So my example is when you moved out out here Uh and you said that most of your friends that you gravitated towards were from the South, right? Uh Or, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, unintentional. It, It may have been like subconscious some consciously intentional, but, you know, it wasn't like, let me go find the Southern boys. Right. But it just, uh, it just worked out that way where I noticed I was kind of gravitating towards people that um, understood my background and where I came from. Right. Uh Well, and did you feel like it was kind of a sense of home? Like, did you feel, oh, okay, this is kind of my family out in California? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh Yeah. So that's you, that's kind of what we're drawn to, right? So if you're naturally drawn, and if you're raised in a family where you have your own boundaries, you're, you know, you're search. You're living your own life. You're doing everything um, according, you know, and not being a jerk about it, but just kind of you're creating a sense of self, right? Mm-hmm. And that's hard, especially in an enmeshed family, because you kind of just. I I like to think of it as walking on eggshells. Like I felt when I was trying to be a performer for my parents because my sister passed, and I wanted them to be happy. I, I just, I, I didn't really know myself. I just kind of was like, okay, I'll be funny. Mm-hmm. 
and then I'll cry at night. Like I, I didn't want them to be sad. Yeah. And I, I just knew, okay, now, and my enmeshment was huge. Like with my mom and dad, it was like, okay, like these are my people. These are my best friends. This is my whole life. And career, sense of self, everything was not even in my point of view. Really? When people asked like what I wanted to do in high school, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to act. I've always, I, I thought something with acting or funny or something but I didn't really know and I was just kind of like uh, and you know you're awkward at that age anyway yeah. but I I never was like okay in five years I'm this or that and I don't think I'd be that person even if I was in the healthiest of all healthy families uh-huh. but it is interesting because so much of my self-worth and so much of my decisions always laid on okay, am I going to be close to drive home to mom and dad? Okay, can I still do farmer's markets with them on the weekends? Okay, what college is close? Okay, did I, like it revolved, life revolved around them. And by the way, they didn't ask for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the thing with enmeshment is we are, we are in charge of us. You are only in charge of you, which yeah. is what you have to remember. And finding out who you are is one of the hardest things in the world. Oh yeah. I'm still learning. Like I don't I don't know and and my communication is just all over the place. And look, I think we're all perfectly imperfect. I think everyone is just like going through whatever they're going through. Um but I do think we have a responsibility uh as a human to look at our lives, notice patterns and if it if it doesn't lead you to love or 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 any type of inner peace like you deserve to have that yeah so why don't you have that well sometimes okay you're a mesh in your family and guess what a meshment happens later in life too because your parents you know they get older Mm -hmm. and then you have to figure out okay me and my siblings kind of have to regroup and talk about how are we going to parent our parents it's Mm -hmm. that switch right yeah so then all those dynamics come back. And that's why, you know, it's it's just so um, entangled. It reminds me of just Christmas tree lights that are all tangled up. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, these worked last year, but what the F happened? Yeah. And how careful you have to untangle it. That's kind of how you have to treat it as well. Because these rules of family have been in place since you were born. You know, these people have been going the way they've been going. Your mom and dad had lives before you of course and they're gonna just kind of model hey my mom and dad were like this okay i'll be like this and it's all so sticky but um really enmeshment is i think born out of trauma so something happens okay something happens in the family uh and and boom who is the sick person who is the caretaker who is the clown who is the scapegoat, who there's all these different family titles. Everyone plays a role, right? Is it possible to be enmeshed in a family context without trauma? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm just thinking of my own family, uh, my aunt, both my aunts. I have two aunts, uh, both on my mom's side, my mom's sisters. Um, one of them lived at home with my grandfather and grandmother till she was 48, Okay. And the other one was kind of in and out for the, you know, kind of a similar situation where she 
she got married, got divorced, moved back. Anyway, point being, especially the one that uh, stayed till she was 48, it was just hearing the stories and how my mom relays all those stories is just my grandfather was apparently super domineering and controlling, and he didn't want any of his daughters to go out and have their own life. In what way was he controlling? Like, can you give me examples? Didn't want, didn't want her to go get an apartment. Wanted her to work the job that he wanted her to work. And where did she work? Uh, she worked just retail, just on and off retail, like, um, like a cookware. Speaking of cookware, she okay. worked for like La Crusade and Corningware, oh, cool. okay, and like outlet mall stuff. But uh, I think he also wanted the the other aunt worked where my grandfather worked at Lockheed. Uh, in Marietta, Georgia, which is, um, you know, they build airplanes and stuff for the military. But uh, anyway, point being, my grandfather was just apparently very, what was that? I think, Charlie. did Charlie just fart? <laughs> did you just fart, buddy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was a Charlie fart. Buddy. Oh, okay? boy. He's been. Ah, jeez. Do you want to talk about the pants situation? Oh, boy. No, no. Okay, what sorry. There's a. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, point being is just, uh, I think it was. Probably a little bit of both, maybe lack of ambition on her part and also just controlling and just enmeshment on his part. Mm -hmm. But um, now, was he different with he had three girls, correct? Yeah, that's so my dad Mm -hmm. did too. Was he would you consider your granddad uh, a misogynist? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He had three girls. Yeah. He's like, okay, I guess you're just at home with me until yeah. I give you away. And that was part of the problem with my mom and his relationship because my mom was the opposite. She was super independent, moved out when she was like 20, 21. Uh, not to go into that whole backstory again, but at 21, my mom got hurt, uh, fell off the back of a motorcycle, paralyzed from the waist down to this day, was in the hospital for months and months and months, and apparently when she came in, right before that, she had moved out, and she was uh, doing all kind of things. She was a hairdresser. She was actually uh, in the works of, like, getting her own salon. Oh, wow. Yeah. But when she got hurt and moved in after, like, eight or nine months of hospital slash rehab, finally moved back home with her parents, and the famous quote was, from my grandfather. And this, by the way, I'm not just trying to shit on my no, grandfather. No, it's okay. These this is just, just his real point life, of view. Real life example. This is what he Yeah. Uh, like. The quote is, uh, well, she's coming home in a wheelchair, but at least she's coming home. Wow. Yeah. Did he treat them nicely, his daughter? I mean, that's not for me to say. I okay. Mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. By all accounts, sure. You okay. Know. Yeah, he wasn't a monster, but just... One of these old Southern guys that just, you know, my way or the highway, I know everything, and my girls need to, well, why why wouldn't they want to live at home the rest of their lives? Did you like, know? I don't know, because <laughs> they want to have a normal life and yeah. have their own lives. Did he want them married off kind of thing, or that I was kind of how I was raised. Like, yeah. okay, go get a dude uh-huh. and marry off, and then I'm done with you. Yeah, I, I, don't, th- I, think, I don't think that was part of it. I think wow. he liked having control. Interesting. Very similar. Was did you know your his dad? Did you ever no. meet your great granddad? Okay, no, no, I didn't know anything about him. That's interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was just always the family story was how controlling granddaddy was. Well, and control is the birth of a meshment, mm-hmm. right? Because you got the controller, 
in the middle of the family and or you might be the controller, whoever's listening. Mm -hmm. Again, there is no bad people. This is just the map that you got laid out when you were little. I think all family struggles with enmeshment. Mm -hmm. I think everyone struggles with codependency. I think it's all very awkward. The I've done so much studying about this stuff regarding enmeshment because enmeshment and codependency go together. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you need that person to check in with you every day. You have, let's say you call your sister, aunt, whoever, every single day. I used to call my dad multiple times a day. Really? I mean, every day, every day. And if I didn't, it was a big deal. I don't think I've ever called anyone every day other than when I'm on the road away from you. We check in every day, but I, I wasn't on a daily check-in with my folks. I was on a daily check-in. And also it felt like, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked being involved. I liked helping. I liked, and you never knew really what you were going to get with my dad on the phone. So it was almost like that adrenaline rush of like, is he going to be happy? Is he going to be sad? Mm-hmm. What can I do to fix his problems? What can I do? So that is kind of how the enmeshment head works. Huh. You you really, all your self-worth is in this person that you've given this to. Yeah. And they they don't know. And guess what? You probably don't want their accolades and stuff if they're treating you that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So has anyone ever treated you that way? Have you ever felt uh, codependent or enmeshed with some somebody or... Or, or did you feel opposite somebody? Like, did you feel somebody really clinging on and you were like, hey. Let's I mean, other go. than like girlfriends and stuff like that. Okay. But, uh, no, I mean, not that I can think of. I mean, I've definitely had some lopsided friendships. Sure. You know, where like I was hoping we'd be more at this speed and they're wanting to be at that speed. And, right. You know, that's always difficult to navigate. Uh, yeah. But no, I learned early on, I forgot who told me this or where I picked this up, but just the concept of your happiness can't be dependent on someone else. No. Your happiness can't be in someone else's hands. It's it's you and only you is responsible for your happiness. Now, I mean, obviously that's the whole concept of relationships, whether it be friendships or romantic relationships or, you know, family relationships is... You know, there needs to be some give and take. There needs to be, you know, some balance. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, like, I never wanted to be in a position where my happiness depends on this other person's mood that day. Right. Right. You, you're you so good at that because you say don't let, you know, poopy people don't ruin let, your day. D- yeah, don't let shitheads ruin your day. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we've had this conversation when you used to work at Spitz or something, you'd tell Mm -hmm. me that you had a rude customer. Mm -hmm. And and while that sucks, and it's definitely not pleasant, but that person means nothing to you. Mm -hmm. You don't know them. They're Mm -hmm. just, you know, it doesn't doesn't excuse their behavior. And I know it's easier said than done. It's the same way as like if I were to read a negative YouTube comment. Well, I don't know that person. Why Mm -hmm. why am I going to let that ruin my day? I mean... It's human nature to let it affect you a little bit initially. Like, oh, that's never pleasant. That wasn't an, a pleasant thing to read. Or in your case, that wasn't a, a pleasant uh, interaction. But at the end of the day, that's a stranger. And fuck them. Like, I'm not going to let some stranger okay. ruin my day. Yeah. I always, and I'm trying to do this too. I, instead of the, f- 
the fuck them mentality. I'm trying to be like, okay, they were probably just having a really bad day. Mm-hmm. Or what if they cut me off in traffic because mm-hmm. they're on their way to see their dad in a hospital? Yeah. Or, you know, there's so many times where I've just been out of my mind. Yeah. And I lashed out at somebody, a friend, whatever it is. And I've lost friendships because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I've I've reacted. And I, I just go into that family dynamic like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Enmeshment also is, hey, I'm going to do all this stuff for you. And I expect that back. Mm-hmm. Give it back to me. And yeah. if you don't, I'm going to freaking make you pay. Yeah. You might not think that's what's happening, but that's kind of, it's a transactional yeah. thing. That's what codependency is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really good to notice it. And how I notice when I'm starting to go into codependent ameshmentville uh, is when I start getting really anxious and when I'm focusing on one person. In my life. Okay. Okay. There's one person. Why aren't they liking me? Am Mm -hmm. I doing the right thing? What am I doing? Am I checking in? Am I checking in enough? Am I doing that has nothing to do with that person. Okay. I am used to having one human. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my case of codependency, my eldest sister, Susie was my person. We, she literally had a two seater Honda Del Sol car. I mean, it was just her and me all the time. And I, that's why one-on-one with people, I could just dish, you know, I could just go in and I'm Katie and it, it feels right. But in a crowd or in whatever context, I, I just kind of shut down. Um, but if I find a safe person, which is some enmeshment talk, no one's safe, we're all human, uh, then I just cling on to them and you start losing yourself. Mm-hmm. You start getting anxious all the time. And, and my therapist says, those are clues. You start, you start getting your shoulders up or I start hyperventilating or I'm, I'm so frustrated. Well, these are clues that's happening in your relationship Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, what's going on? And instead of judging it and being like, I should be this way, I should be this way. Hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Why do I feel this way? And stepping away from it. And that takes a lot because life's hard and it's Mm -hmm. hard to do that and take a moment, but you are in charge of you. And, and we talked about that with boundaries and to end enmeshment and to start healthy relationships. The first thing is create boundaries. Yeah. Okay. You know, you have to set boundaries and to do that, you can do it slowly. Mm -hmm. What I like to do since I'm just me, I've been trying to just be honest with people, Mm -hmm. which is hard and not, blunt and rude, but just say, look, I'm trying to get better. This is what I need right now. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out our relationship or friendship or whatever it is. If you're just honest and open with somebody, I think that's where the talk should start. Mm -hmm. Obviously parents, family, it's a whole different thing, but you can even try with coworkers at first then get that muscle going, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, I'm not going to be able to attend happy hour every day. I'm sorry. I'm going to, you know, you don't need to tell them why, if that's the thing or whatever it is, you, you can set these little tiny boundaries and then you, you make those muscles go much like the hammer curls Mm -hmm. at Barry. See how I'm, (laughs) oh my God. Okay, boo. So now you had to discover who you are. Okay. To get out of enmeshment. Right now. Discover who you are. Oh, okay. My question is this. When did you discover who you were? What age? I know I've asked you this a million times. 
I mean, to what degree? Like, well, um, it says an important part of separating yourself from an enmeshment relationship. Uh, what are your interests, values, goals? What are your strengths? What do you feel passionate about? Where do you like to vacation? You're basically starting from scratch. Okay. What do you want? What do you prefer? This might sound corny, but uh, probably I discovered more about who I am when I started doing stand-up because it was the first time in my life that I had to translate my thoughts to paper and then to verbally yeah. to, you know, that that's kind of what stand-up is. I mean, there's a thousand different little sub-genres and, and techniques and styles, but at the core, stand-up is just relaying your perspective, your point of view on any given subject. Yeah. And, and ultimately, hopefully, trying to make that funny. Yeah. But, yeah, I before that, I never had the need to express my thought, my thoughts and feelings to that magnitude. Interesting. Okay. To, to strangers. Right. You know, Hey, I know nobody in this room knows or cares who I am, but here's my point of view on things. Yeah. So learning to do that night after night and with a continuous stream of material in terms of like covering ideas and topics from A to Z. I think that uh, helped me. And plus that I didn't start till I was 29. So it was, it also coincided with just my brain finally becoming (laughs) somewhat fully formed. Yeah. You know, my perspective becoming fully formed uh, as opposed to, you know, in my teens and twenties, it was just, you know, trying to impress my friends or, Right. Trying to impress my boss and keep my job or whatever, where stand-up was an opportunity to just, it was, it was a clean slate. It was, yeah. a, it was an empty canvas, and th- this is what I want to put on the canvas, or at least this is what I'm choosing to put on the canvas for the general population to observe. And you really have to, that's so interesting, because I think you really have to know yourself as a stand-up um, and dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And like you <clears throat> like you say in your special, like you have to go sometimes and go into the back closets of the skeletons. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's so wonderful because then you get to know you and so does the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool dance yeah. when you're vulnerable and open. And I'm sure in a way, with stand-up as you were starting, it was almost like journaling. Mm-hmm. Like, you were doing jokes, obviously, and getting your set ready, but, like, also, you have to be in heavy thought. You have to, okay, what are these, who am I? Yeah, it was the most introspective I've ever been. I've never been required to do that. But, yeah, those first few years of stand-up, it was every night or almost every spare moment was spent thinking about, material and thinking about jokes and thinking about my perspective and my point of view and what I want to put out there and what how I want to be perceived and just all of that stuff so yeah no other job really require or hobby or interest for that matter required me to do that so that was kind of like I don't know it's kind of like going to boot camp 
for your brain, for your brain and for your personality. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I felt the same way when I started uh, Second City. Mm -hmm. I I did Groundlings, which is an improv theater in L.A. And then Second City, they had a L.A. training center. Mm -hmm. And about I did Groundlings and I cried and there was a lot of stuff going on, but it was fun. But I I moved to Second City and they do more group improv. Mm -hmm. Right. So they do. I did the whole conservatory program, which was a lot of actors coming in, and then you get to star in a show at the end, mm-hmm. and you're a graduate, and it's really cool. But I remember being like, oh, you can live differently. And I know that sounds so silly, but like I was raised by a guy that, by the way, worked his ass off, you know, was a boss, like, you know, blue collar, farmer, trucking industry, like just yeah. Um, and I remember being like, huh, uh, I guess that's what business is. You know what I mean? Because I was just, that was my whole point of view. My family was my life. Yeah. I knew teaching. You could be a teacher. Uh, you could kind of, my mom was a teacher, you know, it wasn't like I thought of career. Uh, and then when I came to second city, it was like, Oh, improv became my therapy. Mm-hmm. Improv became my, wait, you have to look at the other person in the eye and make them look good. Yeah. And not in an enmeshed codependent way, in a happy way, in a, Hey, let me give you a gift. Mm-hmm. And I learned that my presence and, and just going for it and being there and being dedicated was really forming who I was mm-hmm. and what kind of performer or or what I wanted to be it was a it was a learning it really was my my coming of age of oh yeah what is funny about me Mm -hmm. what sketch should I pitch to everybody that would make it fun for everyone or me or whatever and it was hard it was really hard for me to hone in and I'm continuing to do it but like your comedic voice and finding out who you are really comedy was that door that opened and I just thought, oh, look at all these funny, weird gypsy people that are, oh my gosh, you can work at acting. You can, you can actually make money. Second city people, they're, they're touring. They, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was just, oh, it was a breath of fresh air. And I thought, wow, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I went into somewhere and I thought I could do this. And that's when I really just started learning who I was. And yeah, yeah it was in my late twenties. Same, very similar thing. Yeah. How funny. We're so great. Aren't we great? <laughs> okay. So you got to discover who you are, you guys. Get okay. out of enmeshment. Uh-huh. And stop feeling guilty. Okay? Guilt doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If you feel guilty, that is you victimizing yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other person is is holding real estate in your head mm-hmm. that they they don't know. Like, if you feel guilty... That's a, I don't know. Have you felt guilty before, boo? Like guilty about missing a friend's birthday or, you know what I mean? Like, has that guilt come into you? You're like, no, I don't. Listen. uh, No, I've been guilted by family, you know, as far as, especially, I mean, it's not so much now because I live on the other side of the continent. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, when I lived in Georgia, you know, there was definitely, we ain't seen you in a while. Yeah. You know. Well, and guilt makes you feel bad. It mm-hmm. makes, at least for me, I would get that from my mom. My mom would be like, is your phone working? Mm-hmm. I've called twice. Like, what? Oh, my God. I have to call her back. Mm-hmm. I feel guilty. But 
that becomes internalized. And, and if you have that and you just live with guilt, it's a heavy, heavy weight that you're carrying around and it doesn't do anyone good. It doesn't create a relationship. It doesn't help. It's just, oof. And when you feel like you have a lot of guilt to you, look in the mirror and be like, why am I feeling so guilty? And, and ask yourself these questions and get to know who you are because it's a really horrible feeling that creates anxiety. Sure. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it just breeds it. Uh, also, I'm just going to go ahead and say Psych Central, the smash hit website that I did a lot of research on, uh, they think that the enmeshment can kind of go to codependency, right? What's the difference, by the way? So enmeshment is, hold on, hold on, wait, uh, It says family relationships that lack boundaries uh, such that roles and expectations are confused. Parents are overly and inappropriately relying on Mm -hmm. their children and the children are doing the same thing. Um, So that's the enmeshed family, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's kind of confusing. confusing. And I think that's where my codependency was born, where, hey, is everyone okay? Who died? What's going on? I need to know everyone in my family is fine. I need to go buy Christmas presents so we have a great Christmas. I need to get, you know what I mean, like Easter presents. I need to do every, like that was my codependency. Mm -hmm. My family was, and they didn't ask me to do that, you know? And it's almost like being addicted to people. Mm -hmm. And so I say to whoever's listening, and maybe this resonates, be addicted to you. Hmm. Be addicted to you in the way of, hey, I'm worth this. Let me take some time. Uh, uh, these relationships are making me sad. Why? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's a, a meshment. And and I just feel good about the timer going off because, <laughs> you know, this get vulnerable for me. Because yeah. you know me, I'm a big coda. Yeah. I'm a big old codependent, boo. <laughs> well, this is uh, interesting, boo. Thank you, boo. I didn't know anything about enmeshment. Yes, it's a thing, you guys. And guess what? You could get out of it. Yeah. Change it up. Try something else on. Mm -hmm. Instead of calling every day, be like, hey, I'm going to mail you a postcard and I'm going to live my life. Yeah. Who's coming to Barry's with me? There's a whole other can of worms, but I think, I don't know if this pertains to enmeshment, but talking about like my aunt, my grandfather being controlling and stuff, that was one thing talking about knowing who you are, mm-hmm. um, especially growing up in the South, I never wanted to be a fr- What is that noise? That's Harvey. Harvey, what are you doing, buddy? Harvey's, sorry, guys, if you hear a thumping, Harvey's getting a little angry. I Hi. never wanted to be one of these people that um, couldn't think for myself. Right. Especially in the South, there's so many people, adults, whether it be male, female, whomever, like, I think this way because my daddy thought this way. I vote this way because my daddy voted that way i have all these preconceived opinions on shit i know nothing about right because that's how my family thought and like a little bit of that's fine you Mm -hmm. know i mean i'm all for heritage and you know culture and but at some point you you've got to look yourself in the mirror and go i'm an adult i have my own life yeah you know speaking of which i'm not piling up my aunt to this day won't eat pork because her, because granddaddy didn't like pork. No. Although she eats bacon. Well, and, you know, but like, yeah, I, I don't want to be seventy and have these narrow-minded opinions that were formed mm-hmm. based on someone else's opinion. Now, if you've 
tried pork and it ain't your thing, that's fine. But like to this day, she won't eat pork because granddaddy didn't eat pork. Wow. I'm like, that's very odd. Do you have any original thoughts here? Like, don't be afraid to carve your own path and, and think scary, for yourself. Though. It's scary, especially for women. It is scary if yeah, you have a controlling sure parent and coming out and being like, uh, we have all these expectations mm-hmm. on us. Um, and at least for me, Harvey's Harvey, really What are just, you doing, bud? I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Should I? How do I do sure, this? I don't, I don't know. Know. <laughs> He's so pissed. <laughs> um, I forget what I was saying. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, that's, uh, if I accomplish nothing else, I, I'm proud that, um, you know, and it goes beyond just being a rebel and, you know, but, like, like to have sincere, organic opinions that you formed based on nothing but your own experience and not because that's just the way it's always done. Yeah. That's the way my family did it. That's the way my right. friends did it. Like, Okay, but what are you, what are you, what's your opinion? And look, if that's in a business or something like a family business or whatever, like yes, that that has been the truth. And if it's worked, uh, I'm just talking about numbers or whatever, then great. But philosophy, mm-hmm. a personal philosophy, yeah. is a whole different thing. Yeah, and that's when it's like, oh, my core values are this, mm-hmm. and. Guess what? My parents, I think, are this, but that's not my business. And also, I don't have to do that to please them. Mm-hmm. I could be me. Yeah. And also, you don't have to poke the bear. Mm-hmm. If things like, you know, awkward conversations or weird things come up that you know you'll just go off on, yeah. use your words wisely. Yeah. Is it helpful? Yeah. Is it true? Is it going to, you know, help the situation? Do I need to say it now? No. And that's creating. Space for yourself, mm-hmm. which you know what we all need it. Am I right? That's right. Well, thank you, Boo. You're welcome, Boo. Let's, that was uh, great. Let's segue into some uh, listener interaction. Yes. Uh, feel free to give us a call twenty four seven at five six two five four eight two zero one two. In that order. Five six two five four eight two zero one two. If you don't want to leave a voice message, you can text. You can do whatever. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to respond uh, on Instagram. Somebody reached out. Uh, Corey says, uh, hey, Dave, big fan and uh, booger from the start. Parentheses, I also think since Boogie Monster is on hiatus, y'all should come up with something to call Stonebergs fans. It's not a bad idea. Oh, I like it. The stoners? Uh, yeah, maybe the stoners, maybe the burgers. Who knows? Ooh, I like it. Okay. Uh, he continues, uh, pack of lunch was fantastic. Thank Aww. you, thank you. Uh, I've called into Stonebergs before, but I wanted to shoot you a message and suggest a topic for the show, Ooh. if y'all are interested. I was wondering, as an open micer who has been doing it for only a couple of months now, what are some tips I can use to help set myself and the other comedians up for success at my first ticketed event? Oh. Which I will be performing at in about a month. Well, that's uh, that's that's a big milestone in a young comic's career. Oh my uh, gosh! The first time you can perform at a show that's not an open mic. Oh, that's big. Uh, that is so a, big. A booked show or yeah. a ticketed show. You know, most open mics are free. Yeah. Um, but at least around here, no regular people, I don't mean that in a negative way, uh, no non-comedians go to open mics around here. Like when you right. do an open mic in L.A., you're performing for other comedians, and that's yeah. it. So it's always, uh, and I did that for months and months and months. I remember my first club show. Uh, it was a big deal. Like, oh, that people well, paid yeah. money. You know, I'm not the headliner. That Nobody here probably paid money to see me, but I'm on the show nonetheless. Um, so that's always a, a fun 
milestone when you get to, uh, not that you are no longer doing open mics. Of course, you know, you, you got to keep doing those to a certain degree, but just that reward of like, ah, a real show. Yes. People, yes. People know that the show's here. People are here on purpose. Right. They're not just having dinner with their family and some yeah. jackass started an open mic. Uh, we used to call that ambush comedy. So many of my Ooh. early shows were just ambush comedy. I ran an ambush Oof. comedy show. Listen, yeah, sometimes you have to do it. Uh, but Corey, <laughs> to answer your question, what, what are some things you can do to set yourself up for success? If you're meaning logistics of the actual show, um, sure. All right. Uh, step one, turn the TVs off. Yep. I don't know how many times I've had to argue Right. With bar owners or bar managers, like can't uh, compete with TV. You dude. just can't, and I, that's fine on an ambush show. Look, hey, all these people come here to drink on a Monday night. They want to watch Monday night football. Blah blah blah. That's fine. If this is a ticketed event, and the only people allowed in the showroom are people who have paid to watch a comedy show, why give them an option to be distracted by? Yeah. Why give them an option? Yeah. Comedy is hard enough. I don't need to be performing in front of a giant television off to my left or to my right. I've, right. I've done so many shows like that. Yeah. Like, so first of all, Corey, make sure, uh, I don't know what venue you guys are doing the show at, but you know, a lot of times it's at bars or uh, places like that. Turn off the television. Yep. Let's get the lighting proper. Oh, good call. A lot of people yep. don't realize this. Uh, just a good rule of thumb. The performer needs to be much more lit than the audience. Um, there's been studies done in the past where audiences who are too visible, mm -hmm. meaning if they are too lit, uh, they get self-conscious and they don't laugh as much. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. The audience needs to be in the dark. Yeah. Now, it doesn't have to be total darkness. Okay. But uh, when I'm looking out, when I'm on stage, I shouldn't be able to make out every facial feature of the audience. Yeah. They need to be mostly uh, in the dark. Yeah. The spotlight, stage lights need to be on the stage. The house lights, you know, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't need to be pitch black. You know, people need to get up and get drinks, go to the bathroom. They don't need to be tripping over themselves. But there's no need for them to necessarily be illuminated. Yes. So let's turn the TVs off. Okay. Let's turn the, the house lights down. Okay. Let's make sure that happens. Uh, have a backup mic. Have Why a not? backup mic. Mics crap out all the time. Have a backup mic, right? Um, those are just some things off the top of my head. Um, I do this on my own because I got tired of uh, putting this into the hands of clubs and stuff. Uh, a lot of times... Well, I always, when I tour, I have my own pre-show playlist. Ooh, okay. You know, Explain to me why. Well, because I've just done too many shows where Dave Stone's headline in the club tonight and the pre-show music is just the most obnoxious dubstep, you know, club banger hip-hop stuff, which all oh, that's fine, but it, it doesn't match my tone. And more importantly, it doesn't match the the tone that I'm trying to set tonight. Right. You know? Right. Like, if, if Dave Stone's headlining, we don't, I don't need 45 minutes of Lil John bangers <laughs> before I get on stage. <laughs> See, I you would know? love that. So, pre-show music is important. Mm -hmm. uh, here's, uh, speaking of music, one of my pet, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. All right. Usually, when I'm done, I do my closer, you know, thanks, good night. Y'all are great. The, the, 
host comes back out just to, one more time for Dave Stone. All right, that's our show. We're here every Tuesday, blah, 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 website, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, good night. And then the lights come up, and it's just silence. And, it's, and granted, the show is technically over at this point, so in theory, it doesn't matter what happens at this point, but it's just so awkward right. when the show ends and you just hear clanking of, of dishes and glasses and chairs. Like, let's get some post-show house music going. That is a great I call. always make sure the sound guy knows, hey, as soon as I'm done, or you know, a lot of times, like I said, the host will come up. As soon as that host makes it clear that the show is over, Let's crank some jams. Now, at that point, sure, play your little John, whatever. You know, yeah. something's better than nothing. Exactly. But, uh, you know, good music beforehand, some sort of music after the show. Let's turn the TVs off. Uh, also, Corey, um, got to have somebody policing the room. Now, what I mean by policing the room is sometimes at comedy shows you have straight-up hecklers. Other times you have people that are unintentional hecklers. You know, maybe they're answering all your rhetorical questions, or maybe, you know, maybe they're on your side, and they're, you know, but regardless, we need to keep the table talk to a minimum, and there needs to be somebody on staff, whether it be another comedian, whether it be a staff member of the venue, whomever, there needs to be somebody other than the comedian on stage to put out these fires and squash these issues. Okay. So you got to have a designate, whether it be a bouncer, sound guy, bar manager, other comic, somebody mm-hmm. in the event that there's a table that's a little too talkative or just flat-out aggressive heckling. Yeah. Regardless, it's whether it's innocent or aggressive, it's still disruptive. We need somebody to go put out that fire. My question for you is that most comedy clubs have that, correct? Or not really? In theory, Okay. Yeah, you'd be surprised. These some of these things I'm talking about, like I, I I expect it from the random Mexican restaurant that maybe does one show a month or something. Right. You know, even that it's still not excusable. You don't know how many clubs, comedy clubs I've been to that make these same mistakes. And I'm like, I didn't just jump. I didn't parachute out of a helicopter, kick in your front door, and demand that we put on a comedy show. This is what you do, correct? Right. You got comedy shows here every weekend. Y'all don't know some of these basic fundamentals. Yeah. You don't know to, you know, light the audience properly. You don't know to turn the TVs off. We don't. I've been there so many times where I've had hecklers or whomever, and there's just not a staff member to be found. Wow. Just, I'm going to, all right, no one's going to shut this guy up. All right. I guess I'll do it. So you, well, and you obviously have to. Yeah. You know, you But really... I, even then, if they want to be combative and jaw back at me, I mean, I'm not going to put the mic down and go physically, you know, accost somebody. So, I mean, there's been times where just, all right, you, oh, you're still talking. You're still talking. Is there anybody that works here that can get this fucking dude out of here? How long has, how what's been the longest one of those? The like, whole show. No. Oh, I've worked clubs, oh. comedy clubs. Where there was literally not a not a staff member in sight. Oh no! They're, they're out back smoking. They're in the kitchen. They're in the office. Wow! Just up there by myself. Just, oh, that's so hard. You, you're gonna ruin the whole fucking show, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I've worked clubs. There was a club in Chattanooga where similar thing happened like that. But uh, a month or two later, a friend of mine was there, and this this went viral. My buddy Grant Lyon. This was probably eight years ago in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
a pro wrestler. He was doing a little crowd work, and I guess he offended some guy. A guy who was later determined to be a Bush League professional wrestler got on stage and kneed him in the nuts. Oh, my goodness. There was no security to stop it and no security to escort him out after it happened. Are you serious? This is a comedy club. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, my point is, uh, yeah, I I could talk for days on (laughs) the things that comedy clubs get wrong. But uh, as a quick overview, Corey... Let's uh let's get the lighting straight. Let's get the sound straight. Let's get a backup mic. Let's make sure we have someone to police the room. Let's promote the show properly. Yeah, you know, got to advertise, got to promote. And you but, also uh, have to. Oh, sorry, Charlie. Just common sense. Just Charlie's common, sitting on Think my about lap, it this guys. way. What what are if I think put yourself in that situation? If I'm a patron of a, of a comedy show or any live performance, what what would make my experience more pleasurable? Yeah, you're setting up yeah. a uh, an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like an when you're opening up a restaurant or whatever. It's like, no, this is an experience. Mm-hmm. And how cool is it that you get to do it? Mm-hmm. And how neat? And and what would you like to see? Yeah, put yourself in the audience's shoes, mm-hmm. and also, you know, make a safe space mm-hmm. for the comics. Yeah, you know, and yourself because mm-hmm. you want to have fun doing it too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I would say, have fun with it as well. Like, mm-hmm. remember that this is comedy and and these, you know, you're supposed to just, uh, I don't know, have fun. But mm-hmm. I know with these rules, not rules, but I'm just blabbing. Mm-hmm. It's the very freaking brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Corey, I can't wait to see your show. I want to go. Yeah, good is luck, he in, Corey. Where is he? I didn't say. Okay. But uh, All right. Yeah. Thanks for checking in, Corey. But yeah. Those are just off the top of my head. Common sense stuff. Think about what would make your viewing pleasure um, more enjoyable and uh, try to reverse engineer it that way. Yeah. But a lot of it's just common sense. You know, sound, lighting, music, someone to squash problems. And and have fun. Yeah. Don't wear shorts on oh, stage. Oh, what about a light? Yeah. If you're doing a show somewhere yeah. different. Don't, yeah. Don't forget the light. Yeah, the, the light meaning the... Uh, an indicator to let the comics know that their time is up to wrap mm-hmm. it up. You know, make sure you're lighting people. If you're doing a 10-minute set, hey, light me at 7, light me at 8, whatever, then I know i got two or three minutes to get off. Uh, don't wear shorts on stage. Try not to wear hats. Right. Don't sit on the damn stool. Ooh. Don't sit on, especially if you're doing <laughs> you 10 minutes. You hate the stool. I, that, there's you something hate so it. pretentious you hate the stool. about comics just sitting on the stool. Just break a sweat. It's a performance. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have a choreographed dance, but uh, pretend you give a shit, you know? <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> Get off stone. the damn stool. Oh. But yeah, good luck, Corey. Thanks for checking in. Oh, thank you, Corey. Yeah, we do need to come up with a name for everybody. Mm-hmm. Stone Burgers. Stony. Sure. Bur- we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with you? Any word of mouth? Anything? What? I was trying to think. I don't remember the show we watched last night. We binged a show the, last the night. Natalie. Natalia. N- Natalia. Something, the case yes. of Natalia. Is it the case oh, of? Yes, the mysterious. The mysterious case mysterious of Natalia. Um, that, it was amazing. We binged it, guys. Six yeah. episodes of just sheer what the F. The curious case of Natalia Grace. Ooh, girl. Uh, this was in the news, right? This was in the news. Uh, it happened about 10 years ago. But I remember the story broke about two or three years ago, maybe a few more, but it feels like 
two or three years ago, it became like a big story, and everybody's like, "What?" Yeah. And um, I don't know if I don't want to spoil anything for yeah, anybody. Yeah, we can't really spoil it, but uh, it's a mystery. Yeah, it's a true crime esque. Yeah. I, what was there an actual crime committed? I don't mm, know. Well, I don't. Know. Uh, let's just put it this way: it's a docu series about a real thing that happened about a decade ago, and uh, kind of adoption gone wrong. Yep. And uh, boy, I would almost say the main character. The main character, I guess, would be Nat- Natalia Grace, the the subject. But uh, <laughs> Natalia's her, ado- her adopted things. dad. <laughs> God, that dude got on my nerves after a while. Yeah, like, you were getting angry. Well, I it, could tell. I was like, "Wow, he's getting angry it, with this guy." It was. It's a fascinating story, but it's this is a classic example of. I think it was six episodes. Could have been three or four. Could have been a movie. Where they Why were, are we been making a movie. movies? You know, just could a have movie. been just a regular hour and a half documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the last couple episodes, it got a little shitty cable TV vibe. Yeah, it really you know, did. Like it when, really did. With the, the dad and his his legal team, <laughs> I didn't give a shit about any of that. All those guys were goobers. It felt like staged, the like, dad, we are the legal team. They I'm, need to do a documentary on that dad, because that dude's got some issues. Well, he was he's an actor. <laughs> like, he kept setting up the oh, scene. God. He cried. Just I mean, he was doing a one-man so show. So overdramatic. Oh, for sure. But uh, that being said, the series is still worth checking out. The story's fascinating. It's so fascinating. I still don't know who to believe and what the real story was. Exactly. Like the topic today, mm-hmm. it's confusing. Yeah. It was so confusing. There are yeah. twists and turns, but I think a good binge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was a, a very good, good binge. binge. The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. Yeah, that would definitely be my wordo. I think it's Mouth-o. on Max. It's no longer HBO Max, just Max. I kind of miss it, HBO Max. Yeah. I feel like they were friends and now mm-hmm. it's over. I, mm-hmm. I have some issues with that, but that's another day. <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely uh, worth checking out. So awesome! Yeah. Ooh, anything uh, to plug? And I know you do. So please plug. plug it. Plug yeah. it. Plug it. Yeah, we can plug. Uh, pack a lunch still on YouTube. It's still on. Like I'm afraid they're going to take it down. It's <laughs> hey, it's still <laughs> up there on. for the time being. <laughs> you can check it out while you can. Um, yeah, pushing almost at ninety thousand views in about five weeks. Again, Woo! those numbers are arbitrary, but uh, for me, it makes it. Feel like it was worth it. Well, at least you know people are watching it and enjoying Ooh, it, awesome. so that's nice. Uh, that's available on YouTube. Uh, you can get the audio version streamed wherever you stream audio. Uh, but more specifically, if you're into vinyl records, uh, there will be a two LP colored vinyl variant uh, gatefold. Uh, nice artwork from Barry Blankenship. Uh, that is pre-selling now at BlondeMedicine.com. That will ship in August and uh, limited edition, only 500 copies. And I think they're uh, they're plowing through them. So if you're get interested in that. Get it while that, it's hot, guys. And they're so cool. Get it while you can. So, oh, it's uh, beautiful. I'm just so excited. Thank you, boo. Uh, next week in Montana, Montana folks, you can find me in Billings, Montana, Thursday, June 22nd. I will be at the Nova Center for Performing Arts. That'll be fun. Friday, June 23rd, I'll be at Cactus Records and Gifts in Bozeman, Montana. Saturday, June 24th, I'll be at VFW 209. It's been a while since I played a nice uh, VFW hall. Oh, my gosh. Veterans of Foreign Wars. That's Uh, awesome. That'll be in Missoula on the 24th. And then wrapping it up Sunday, June 25th, I'll be at Lewis and Clark Tap Room in Helena, Montana. And uh, I hope it uh, goes better than the... 
fate of the namesake there. Okay. Uh, old Lewis and Clark. But yeah, that's where you can find me uh, coming up in the next few weeks in Montana. Other dates uh, down the road, I'll get to those later. But in August, you can find me in Florida, the Carolinas, Savannah, Georgia, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I don't think those dates are on the website yet. But uh, Montana dates, uh, all the details and the tickets are available at Dumb Dave Stone. Dot com. Yes. So that's where I'm at. Montana, uh, the land of beautiful sunsets. I've yes. never been. And oh, Buffalo. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of Buffalo and sunsets. Big sky. I country. guess there's sunsets everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really. It's beautiful. I love Montana. That's so. awesome. Oh, yeah, I'm going to miss you. I think one of the least populated states in America. <laughs> I think that's why you like it. Is yeah. that why you like it? Probably. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah. But where can we find you on the social media? KT Lowe Strandberg. You got it. At the letter K, at the letter T, L-O-W, and then Strandberg, guys. Come on. Come on now. Go on my Instagram stories. There's a lot of Charlie work, a.k.a. our little Chewini. Mm -hmm. It's fun. That's right. Boo, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. Oh, Uh, my goodness. We're going out tonight. We Uh, are. Yeah, we're going to a show. What? Uh People, uh, country music fans if in L.A., uh, feel free to say hello because uh, you and I will be at the Echoplex tonight. Yes, we will. Uh, watching Joshua Ray Walker and the Vandaliers. Ooh, I like both. Very and uh, I'm sorry, isn't Joshua your best friend now? Yeah, we're, you we're, guys kind of hung out. Yeah. yeah, you guys hung out. Yeah, we're going to get friendship tattoos. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you're in L.A. looking for uh, a good show, uh, check it out tonight at Echoplex. Uh, Joshua Ray Walker. And Vandaliers. And I'll be the, dancing in the back. That's right. We're, I'm, and you, probably Instagram storing a lot. Yeah, I might put on some cowboy boots for this one. Oh I do a little two-step. Wow. I'm going to wear a dress. Yeah. With a bonnet. There you go. I don't know. Blue bonnet highway. <laughs> Boo, I love you and the Lord loves you. This oh. is very fun. Thank you so much for uh, sharing all your wisdom. Oh, my gosh, guys. Thank you. And remember, if you have questions, comments, 562 something 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 562-548-2012 in that order and we love you thank you for listening bye way down from the high horse i was riding when i hit the ground i shattered into pieces and it's 14 dollar bottle plus three quarters empty in the half pack of lights barely made it through the night and I realized again in a motel in Kentucky rock bottom always has a fake room for me and tonight you find me there hanging with my doubt it ain't hard to be
Lord, yeah. Okay, thank you.